Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash podcast and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash podcast. Let's, uh, let's just get right into it. Gee. Five... I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? These sick fucks using one too many movies. Ah, Don't you blame the movies! Movies don't create psychos! Movies make psychos more creative! <laughs> Hello, Horror Hounds, and welcome to the It Slays Podcast. I'm your humble host in uh, Moonshine Drinker Rowan. It's Exilia. And the avocado you just bought this morning is already rotten, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) And we are back. We're back a little later than expected. When you listen to this, it will be Halloween. So happy Happy Halloween. Halloween. Say Halloween. That's right. I was going to try to think of something fancy like Mike say, but I only know English. (laughs) It's a song, what? Rowan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, people. Yeah, so we uh, we didn't do Carrie. We explained on Instagram. We apologize. Our cat was sick. <laughs> and I had issues, too. There was an episode. There was, a, there was an episode. Our cat was sick, but now we don't think it was actually really sick. We don't know. We have no... The long story short, we have no idea what happened. It's okay now, though. She's back to her evil self she's uh still possessed so yeah great story bros (laughs) we (laughs) thought she was sick and she's not (laughs) (laughs) stay tuned till the end of the episode and uh i'm sure if you were looking forward to carrie you'll be excited for our news (laughs) (laughs) spoiler Spoiler alert. Uh, and then also apologies, Hocus Pocus was definitely two weeks late. And, uh, well, we just told you why we were late on everything. And, uh, Rowan procrastinates on all of his schoolwork and basically anything he has to do. There's been a lot going on. And I'm a procrastinator. Uh, so. Yeah, it's not a good mixture. Whatever. So you can blame Rowan, everybody. It's not me. Whatever, whatever, Brosh, whatever. Oh my god. The dipstick, the whip. (laughs) Listeners, Exilia has been exploring the land of Tim and Eric, so I feel like we're going to get a lot of out of context, bad (laughs) Tim and Eric references from her tonight. No, that'll be the only one. And we're all drinking. It's been a long time since we've all been drinking while recording, and well, we know this never ends good for me when I edit it, so... Would you like to say today's sponsor on our end? Oh, yes. And by sponsor, we mean they're not giving us money, or... They're certainly not actually sponsors. They don't know anything about this podcast. (laughs) Today's inebriation is brought to you by... And as always, Exilia holds it up as if everyone can see. You guys can. What are we drinking, Exilia? We are drinking Root Beer Moonshine, brought to you by Still Fire Distilleries in Lakeel, Nova Scotia. Woo woo! Mixed with a cream soda 
because I found out that's actually how you make birch beer. It's half root beer, half cream soda. So yes, it's like an to the two people that might actually know what birch beer is. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are you, you drinking, Mike? I am drinking a refreshing Coors Slice, Ooh. which is a Coors that has a hint of orange taste in it. It's oh. not terrible. I'm actually kind of enjoying it. Um, I do like my beer usually a little bit stronger, but uh, I do have to work in the morning or something so <laughs> i don't i don't want anything <laughs> too point. heavy tonight that's fair so it's been so long since i've asked you guys a question yeah rowan's choice Rowan, as uh mike has right. coined it rowan's <laughs> choice i really gotta get like the bumpers so we have like you know like rowan's choice choice <laughs> choice well there you go you just did it yeah that's right or we can harmonize me and exilia and just do like rowan's choice <laughs> <laughs> we could <laughs> I feel like, is it, like, bad of us that we're, like, mocking Sophie's choice? I feel like there's somewhere, there's a world this is inappropriate. Um, I live in a world where pretty much everything is inappropriate, so that's fine. <laughs> we're just gonna have to deal with it. So here we go, and we'll start with Mike. I had to really think about that. Thank God, what's the question? So, since you're listening to this on Halloween, and, and, you know, we're celebrating right now as if it was Halloween, because Halloween is our favorite time, I want to know three go-to movies you have to watch in the Halloween season. (laughs) Mm. Um, It's tough, because it changes every year. Like, every year. I feel like it's kind of like the music thing. This is obviously ever-evolving. But I'm thinking... Something that maybe when October hits, you find you always seem to watch at least once or comes in your head like, I have to watch that during the Halloween season. I mean, okay, obviously Halloween, partially because, you know, throughout the years, it's usually been on TV or cable or um, the last couple of years, there's been a few times when our local theater has played it, including last year because it was the 40th anniversary. So they replayed it for a week right before the new one came out. Um, So that is definitely one. Usually one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, like either two, three or four generally or one, two, three, because they're kind of the creepiest. And a lot of times I do the Evil Dead remake because it's one of my favorite movies ever. And it's one of the only things I've ever watched that actually scared the fucking shit out of me. I like I like the uh, the inclusion of that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's not one that maybe everyone thinks of that hopefully people add to their list. Oh, they should. It's, um, you know. A must see. So what would you like, Easily? Would you like to go next or Yeah, why you're ready? Not? You're yeah. ready. Well, I don't have a third one because I feel like it mostly changes year from year. Okay, one would be Candyman and the other one. Now I believe I may have told this short story. The first time we ever um recorded the first introduction episode that got fucked up and then we had to record again. So I will tell it once more. Um the other movie would be People Under the Stairs. When Rowan and I were young, young teenagers, I might have been like 14 or 15, Rowan decided to go and buy us all these Halloween movies to watch on Halloween. And one of them happened to be People Under the Stairs. And I really liked it. And then my birthday is in November. And I came home, yes, because we were at different schools. So I definitely was like turning 14 or 15. Um, I came to his house on my birthday and I didn't get a present. I know that's kind of <laughs> like, but like I wasn't get. he didn't even like, he didn't give me a present. So he's like, oh, wow, uh, just one second, just one second. Came out of the room with like, 
wrapping paper he must like found in his parents room and it wasn't even like taped or anything it was just like folded over this thing and he's like oh this is what i got you for your birthday and it was fucking the copy of people under the stairs that he bought us to watch a halloween guilty as charged yeah it's oh good please movie. you found it endearing no i was actually pissed <laughs> She was literally pissed. She was not happy, and she still <laughs> tells that story now. So. His um his parents bought me a bunch of uh, like some presents, and Rowan his parents remembered, and Rowan didn't. Let's just say that <laughs> it is true. Everyone can. I apologize. Everyone's like accept his apology. I accept it. Yeah, mm. I forgive, but I don't forget. Oh. <laughs> That was ominous. <laughs> oh, when, you, when, you're in, when you're in the old age home, you got a surprise coming, buddy. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. Oh, like always, I ask the questions and then I don't really uh, think about it. And man, this is hard. All right. So number one, definitely the 90s it. Uh, kind of like with Mike and Evil Dead remake, the original Tim Curry it scares me to this day i think he's terrifying and i'll watch it and then i'll literally think about tim curry as that fucking pennywise clown for like a week and i think the worst thing is because in that movie he's so good at uh like he just kind of like pops out from furniture and stuff so especially like when i was younger and i'd watch it during the halloween season like i'd go to sleep and i'm just like i'm like oh like he's just gonna like pop out of my doorway or something and yeah just like totally your door yard. my dooryard totally just uh scare me uh number two would be i don't know if it's cheating but i would say like any of the like alien movies more than likely i'd watch two but maybe one uh t- but two is always two is my go-to one because i enjoy that one so much sorry can you round back around me when you're done Oh, okay, sure. I came up with a third one. She came up with a third one. Man, yeah, and this is really this is really hard. And then for the third, I'm going to kind of be like Exilia in last episode where, you know, she was She always, was a cheater. Where she was a cheater. Cause this is kind of a new thing. Is not necessarily a movie. My third is every Halloween I want to watch something directed by Flanagan. That's like my my goal. I've never not seen a Flanagan film I don't like. Uh, so re- whether that's uh, Gerald's Game or Oculus or like maybe an episode of The Haunting on Hill House. Everything I watch from him, I love. And that's that's my number three, is anything as long as he directs it. I do want to give a shout out that I will be, my ass will be in the seat opening night for Dr. Sleep because I am pumped for that. Exilia. I don't think it looks that good, but oh, anyways. Okay. <laughs> Debbie Downer over here. That's me. Just rename me Debbie. Debbie. <laughs> Um, the third one I would say is Trick or Treat. I feel like I watch that every Halloween. Trick or Treat is a good one also. So I think that covers it. Let's just get into it. The main event. The only movie that could be a bigger... Actually, there is no other bigger cliche movie to watch on Halloween than The Masterpiece. Halloween, John Carpenter, the original, 1978. Let's get into the trailer, get that out of the way, because I think all of us want to dive into it. Halloween night. A small American town. 
15 years ago. Michael? I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just Sure, sure. The only reason she babysits is to have Halloween. Okay, Linda. Come on out. to also comment that rowan um is wearing a stephen rhodes shirt that says halloween safety and it is in fact halloween yes yes we're i feel like we're all really on point with our shirt game today mike is rocking a wonderful nirvana shirt Mm -hmm. that i've been admiring is that for bleach it is indeed for bleach um Mm. and actually today there was a lovely article on the bbc about the insane amount of money they got for the cardigan that he wore at yes uh, yes yeah, they, I saw that. Unplugged. Um, they sold a guitar of his too and the cardigan sold for like the way cardigan, more the, the and it's iconic and it has never been has never been watched such so. an iconic cardigan yeah i cannot the tell you how much I money be- i would pay the cardigan i believe sold for three hundred and thirty thousand. i think is how much i, I thought read. that was the guitar no, no i i think oh. the cardigan was like 375 or something it was almost four hundred thousand dollars it was something crazy when i was in grade eight i had a cardigan that looked so much alike like that and it had like the elbow patches you're so cool. You're so I, hip. I know. Tell them about my shirt. Guys. Oh, I like because Exilia pulled up her sweater because she doesn't want to be left out. So <laughs> I have two horror things. Two on. horror things on. Exilia is wearing my Friday the Thirteenth sweater. It's very comfortable. And underneath, she is also wearing a uh, Stephen Stephen Rhodes Bloody Mary shirt. Which we all know from past episodes, Exilia thinks she <laughs> actually witnessed Bloody Mary, but we all know she didn't. Oh my god, I did. 
Okay. Anyway. I'm actually the girl in the picture that's conjuring Bloody Mary. <laughs> Let's get into the uh, bio. You would conjure Bloody Mary and fuck <laughs> us all over. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Exilia. So let's get into this IMDb bio. 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night in 1963, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois, to kill again. Yes, that is the plot of the movie. (laughs) I mean, I feel before I get into the, you know, our generic questions that everyone knows I'm going to ask, we should probably address that, you know, one of the most iconic horror movies of all time. I mean, we said that about Nightmare on Elm Street, but I feel like this is even more so. This is like one of the, the grandfathers of modern horror i would say psycho is like the great great grandfather but uh yeah just iconic what's everyone's experience with this like your first experience with it or earliest memory of it all i can say is i don't even remember the first time i saw it i watched it i think on tv when i was probably like nine years old or ten years old and fell in love with it and i watched it over and over throughout the years since you know part of my dna at this point as many a movie, uh, the first time I ever saw it was with you. You showed it to me at some point when we were growing up. I think that may have been the only other time I've seen it. Really? Yeah. Listeners, I hope we're all weeping inside together <laughs> for Exilia's childhood because it just makes me sad. Don't they do that every episode? I feel like, I like they what do. childhood? <laughs> she skipped childhood. right over childhood. <laughs> And I feel like you, Mike, like, I, when I think about it, it just seems like this movie's always been with me. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely, I would assume somewhere between the age of, like, six and ten, I would have seen this. I don't know, maybe younger, but, I mean, Michael Myers has always been, like, a figure that I knew. Not personally. I, I, <laughs> yeah, had a but, personal relationship. You know, He's in your contacts. Yeah, that's right. You know, sometimes he slides in the DMs. Yeah, like, I, I I, grew up with this. I'd say I've seen it at least once a year. Uh, growing up, it was always, like, a movie that, you know, me or friends had on VHS and you'd put in, you know, just to, to scare yourself with. So, yeah, I feel like I've always kind of been been with me, like I said. Also, I figure we could briefly touch on John Carpenter. This was uh, his first foray into horror, I would say. What did he do before that? He did Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, one of my fucking favorite movies ever. Brilliant masterpiece. Excellent soundtrack. Great cast. And so this was his second film. The man, the man has had an iconic career ever since. With a few dips, of course. (laughs) A few dips, of course, like everyone. But I mean, over the course of several decades, obviously, nobody's catalog is going to be completely consistent. A couple weeks ago, because like Rowan's doing the Halloween, the October challenge, and most of the time, I just like fall asleep because that's what I do in life. And, um, but the other, one of the times he's watching Body Bags, and, um, I stayed up. And I even, like, when I was about to fall asleep, he's like, can you pause it so I can watch it again tomorrow? Yeah, Body I Bags like, is quite I like good. that. Yeah, I, I liked it. I feel like Body Bags is really kind of like an underrated one in his repertoire. I feel like the real deep horror heads know that it's good, but, uh, it doesn't have, like, that mainstream pop like some of his other ones. 
And, like, I figured, like, obviously the two key ones I figured I would shout out is, like, The Fog as well as The Thing, which to me is... Oh, that's why they were watching it. Yeah, well, and that's a good thing to bring up now. I was going to say I had noted that that was a really cool... Because this would have been pre-The Thing when he did it. Mm-hmm. So, The Thing, Exilia's looking with wonderment. Pre-The Thing? What do you so mean? So, The Thing... Well, his, his rendition thing? of The Thing. That's a remake of The Thing. Uh, the Thing is, like, from the 50s, I think. Yes, it was a 50s. Howard Hawks movie. Yeah. Oh, okay, that so, makes sense. But very, very cool watching it now that he would go on to make a remake of The Thing. In that. Yeah, it was, like, four years later he did his own yeah. version, which became more well-known than the original version. There's two movies I always get mixed up. Is The Thing where they're like in antarctica yes okay my dad when i was growing up my dad was like you have to watch this movie it's so scary and the whole time i was like what the fuck i was also like 13 i would say like to me the thing still is like the benchmark for practical effects and horror Mm -hmm. it like it holds up today and it's crazy like and for tension yeah it's just it's it's amazing and for kurt russell it's a look it's it's slow paced. The thing? I think so. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. May- maybe we'll review it sometime. Okay. And we'll, and maybe we'll I'll ta- have to revisit that one. And we'll talk about it. And then I did want to bring up two two cast members in Halloween. Uh, we'll, we'll leave the big one for last, but uh, PJ Souls. Queen. Yeah, amazing. Exilia's looking with blankness. Sorry, I'm thinking about this other movie we watched earlier. Who's so, PJ Souls? Linda, blonde queen. Oh, okay, okay. And which has a connection to horror as she was Norma in Carrie. Mm-hmm. So, and then return in some Rob Zombie movies. Yes, in yes. cameo. Who does she play? Uh, like some mom in Devil's Rejects and something else. Oh, okay, interesting. And I believe, I believe she returned for the 2018 one, Halloween, didn't she? I thought she had a role in that. I don't think so, but I could be wrong. It could have been one yeah. of those like kind of background, like little yeah, cameos. Who knows? I, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't seen it yet. I know that's like sacrilege, but I was just. I haven't seen it yet, so I'll get there, guys. I'll get there. You've got to save some things. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah, she she was apparently in it. Because I think she's also in the new one they're making now. <laughs> I thought oh, I saw the, it. Oh, the new she's... one, everybody's coming back. All the, the people, that the girl that played um, Lindsay is coming back. Uh, the woman that played the nurse at the beginning is coming back. Oh, yeah. Lindsay's the, like, kid, The kid. Yeah, the kid, kid. yeah. The actual actress that played her in the original is going to be back playing Lindsay Wallace in the new one. I know this isn't, like, the part where we talk about the movie yet, but... It well, was, I mean, we're talking about the movie. It was really weird when Bob, that's his name, right? Bob. When him and Linda, right? Were in, <laughs> were in the band. Bob and Linda. Oh, my God. Just like yeah. Bob's Burgers. I just yeah. got it. <laughs> I just got it. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, go ahead. When they were in the van and they were like, oh, yeah, first I'm going to take off your clothes. Your, and then I'm going to take off your clothes. And then I'm going to take off, Lin- uh, what's her name? Lindsay? Yeah. Lindsay's clothes. And I looked at Rowan. I was like, isn't that the kid? <laughs> Like what the fuck? I feel like they were tra- <laughs> they were trying to make him like look like a jokester, but I mean it was creepy. Yeah, it was just a, it was like a creepy. <laughs> yeah, little yeah but he was like. a bad jokester. I think that was the whole point was that yeah. he wasn't actually funny because you know he was a real person and real people sometimes think they're really funny and they're fucking not. <laughs> if it seemed if if there was a movie just about Bob, if we got to learn more about him, I feel like he'd be a dick. 
<laughs> Just an FYI. Hence the reason why he exists as a piece of cardboard to get stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> True. So, other people in this movie, uh, obviously we gotta say, like, R.I.P. Donald Pleasance. Mm-hmm. He was in 1984 from, like, the 50s, 60s. Also was in THX 1138. I didn't, I couldn't remember him in that, but I guess. Thanks, 1138. Exilly has no idea. So, that was a, it's a George Lucas movie that, I actually really enjoy that movie. Yeah, kind of a cult title. Yeah. I just exist in my own bubble. That's right. But, I mean, Donald Pleasance kind of was definitely brought in because he's, you know, this, like, trained actor and they wanted, uh, you know, the weight of a quote-unquote real actor. Yeah, he actually had some cred. Yeah, and John Carpenter basically said that was like the only person that said yes to the movie. Once they got him, they couldn't really afford anyone else that was like super notable. His character in like the Rob Zombie one is played by Malcolm McDowell, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Dr. Loomis, which is kind of funny because uh, the girl, uh, one of the women... Uh, that played, I forget who she played, but she's credited as Annie. Miss. She played Annie because Annie, she's the best part of this movie. <laughs> I, lo- I do, I, I do love Annie in this. Why, why is she the best part? Because she's this like fucking sarcastic, saucy teen queen. What's not to love? <laughs> I thought it was interesting that she's credited as Nancy Loomis, which isn't her actual name. I didn't see why, but. They just gave her that fake last name for some reason, but that's not her actual name. Can we please talk about also why when she went into the laundry room, aka a separate building, the laundry room had a fridge in it? I was obsessed with that building. It's a beer fridge. But it's a full-size fridge. Yeah. I'm thinking about like Mad Men. Like, Mad Men Don Draper's garage had a full-size fridge that, but that just kept beer in. But really look like a garage. Yeah, but, well, what would you call it? It's not a guest house. It's not a, a shed. laundry room. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen somebody have a laundry, have laundry facilities in a separate building on their property. I've always been obsessed <laughs> rich, with it. I have like... been obsessed. I love the houses and architecture, obviously, in this movie. And one of the things that I've always been, like ever since I was a child, like, completely in love with was that weird... It, but it, it's not... I don't... It looked like it was more than just a laundry room. It was kind of, like, vaguely a garage, but also not. Yeah, there was no car in it, I don't think. No, There's but, no, like... There's no, like, place for a car. No, but it was almost like maybe it was a, a garage that they repurposed or something. Maybe. Yeah. I think uh, a fun fact, too, as we talk about the cast... Um. So, Donald Pleasance actually wasn't supposed to play. He he was not the first choice for Dr. Loomis. Peter Crushing was. Uh, oh, and from the Hammer films? I was going to say, uh, yeah, I think he was in Hammer films. I was going to say, to me, probably nerd culture-wise, people would know him as Grandma Moff Tarkin in Star Wars. Mike looked at me with total disgust at that. I when my eyes roll, I can't hide it. <laughs> you can see my eye rolls from outer space. I'm sorry. And then the only other one I thought was interesting because I figure obviously who's the next cast member we're gonna talk about? But you know the queen of of scream queens, the queen of the final queen of girls, everything. Jamie Lee. So Jamie Lee was not meant, she also was not the first choice for Lori. 
It was Anne Lockhart who was in Battlestar Galactica. Oh, interesting. So I feel like John Carpenter was really looking at these like sci-fi movies, pulling people out of the sci-fi world with, you know, THX and Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, but didn't he have an interest in sci-fi like right at the beginning of his career? I feel like he did. Yeah, I think I I feel like he did. And I mean, you know, I would escape from New York. Is very like oh, sci-fi, that's absolutely yeah. like a sci-fi thriller, yeah. So I mean, the definitely thing is a sci-fi horror, definitely inspired uh, by that. And then uh, just going back to Doctor Loomis, Doctor Loomis is actually another nod, as we always love to, uh, you know, we love nods in horror movies. So it's a nod to Sam Loomis from Psycho, of course, yeah. So. You gotta, you gotta respect those that come before you. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about it. Jamie Lee. Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, I mean, and then you get the double psycho reference in that, you know, she's Janet Lee's daughter. Exactly. Right? It's just... Is Janet Lee the woman from Psycho? Yes. Yeah. She's, she's the, she's the, the original girl who got killed, surprised at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Okay. That makes the sense. Shower, I, the like shower. Like in the shower. Woman. Yes. Yeah. They kind of look alike. Okay. I can see that. Interesting. And let's just say now, thank God Ann Lockhart didn't get casted. Like, this oh is God. could anyone do this role other than Jamie? That's the real question. No, it was like it just set the whole fucking like tone for the rest of her career. Even when she spent like a bajillion years kind of like trying to get away from that and do her own thing, like she still comes back to it, right? <laughs> like it's it's just yeah. such a good role. She's she and it's so good and it's so iconic, like because it's like organic like it melds you know what i mean like she just is that character the character is her nobody else could ever do it you know i mean like god love the rob zombie versions that laurie is not the same laurie you know what i mean like it's it's just there's there's this inextricable inextricable connection between the actor and the role and i feel like every slasher since then has like tried to recreate this role yeah they they want lori jamie lee in their movie no matter who they cast and i don't know that anyone's ever done it better than her well i mean yes because she gets that like mixture of being really vulnerable but yet when it comes down to it you know really like resourceful and kind of like really like has this mental fortitude that allows her to get through it instead of you know succumbing in plain words she's a fucking badass i love that she stabbed him in like the neck with a fucking knitting needle (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's exactly it she she used her surroundings the coat but i think it like kind of yeah i think the coat the knitting needle like anyways i won't get into it we like get more into the. You want to wait till we get more into it. <laughs> so I did figure, as we talked about Jamie Lee, give a shout out that she did have a pretty good run there of horror at the beginning of her career. The Fog. So she was in The Fog, another John Carpenter film. Terror Train. Terror Train. Underrated. <laughs> Prom Night, and then let's bring it forward a little bit. Star of. Scream Queens. Oh, fuck. Just paid dust. Paid dust. That was so fucking ahead of its time. It was just like two years ahead of when it should have come out. Scream Queens is... It was. Really, I love that it show. Was it was an amazing the, show. The, yeah. And of course, the second season was a bit weaker, but like the first season of that show is, in my very, very humble opinion, probably one of the best debut seasons of any TV show in 
I'm going to say like eight or nine years. Like yeah, I thought it I, was hysterical. Every like the cast was spot on and brilliant. The writing was insane. Um, that balance, like it was, you know, it had a great mystery. It had the horror slasher elements, but it was just, it was so satirical. And of course, Jamie yeah. and yeah. Yeah. It, it was, that show was so good. It was amazing. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's like on Netflix. I think it's on and, Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Very short lived. Um, RIP. But, you know, and I mean, of course, now every every fall when um, pumpkin spice season rolls around, one of my favorite things to do. And one of now I think a lot of people's traditions, it's, you know, you go, what what horror movies do you watch on Halloween? For me, it's what clip do you like to play as soon as they start serving pumpkin spice lattes at Starbucks and other cafes? And it is. Emma Roberts from the first episode of season one of Scream Queens fucking <laughs> chewing this barista out about her like half calf, you know, extra hot, whatever pumpkin spice latte. And she just she goes on a rant for like a minute and a half and it is masterful. Like that woman can deliver a fucking bitchy rant like nobody else. Like need to watch it. I absolutely love Emma Roberts. Yeah, she's she gets she, she's. Again, and she's also paid dust, but now she's got Ryan Murphy to give her lots of, like, really juicy, um, you know, cunty rolls. <laughs> he gets so, it, you know? Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah. Let's start at favorite scenes. Exilia. No, don't start with me. Okay, Mike. Favorite scene. Favorite scene? Or um, favorite scenes. Nope, I 100% know exactly what it is. It is when Laurie, it's the beginning of that third act, the final act, when Laurie goes over to the Lindsay's Lindsay's parents' house, house, because I'm trying to remember their last name, the Wallace's house, and, you know, finds the bodies, and then Michael starts stalking her, and then they, like, it's all brilliant, you know, like, she kind of gets, like, put through the ringer right away, you know, like, getting, having to, like, smash through the window, and, like, you know, being attacked and stuff, but, um... You know, also, like, the way that he ramps up the music that they had been playing the whole time. Like, even the stock scenes with the other characters, um, the music didn't quite, like, it was a bit more tense and stuff. But, like, I found that, and that's one of the reasons why everybody loves this soundtrack so much. Because he really, really does a really good job of, like, you know, this is the third act. This is when shit is now serious. Like, we're down to the last girl. And... Just like that, that piano music, it just, bah, it gives me chills. <laughs> and then, of course, the rest of it. I just love that final act, you know, the whole final girl, resourceful, fight back, roll up her sleeves, get stabbed a few times, thrown down the stairs. Although I will say that I was thinking about it as we, as we watched it this time, the, st- the her stab wound on her arm. I'm like, that doesn't look very, It uh, wasn't really a stab. I think he just, like, slapped. It was a slice, yeah. Yeah, Exilia, do you think you have yours yet, or? Nope, you go <laughs> So <laughs> go I'll go ahead. ahead. So mine's kind of in that same section. I'm gonna really whittle mine down to, like, a two-second shot where I was just like, I see it. And, you know, if I got really emotional, I'd weep at how beautiful it was. I'd get real serious there. <laughs> uh, when she goes over to Linda's house, she so sees all the dead bodies. Linda's house. You said it was Linda's house. Lindsay's parents. Oh, Lindsay's parents. Lindsay's parents, yes. sorry. Why, I don't know why I was saying Linda. Goes to Lindsay's parents' house, and she, you know, she's screaming. She backs up out of the room. And she's against the wall where we have the light on her. 
and then you just see Michael's mask, like, just kind of come out of that pitch dark room. Oh, the lighting in that scene is brilliant. Just enough to see his mask. Oh, that scene is, like, everything to me, like, tone-wise, cinematography-wise, lighting-wise... Like, it's just perfect that, like... He'd give up his family for this scene. I, I might, I might... He already has. my cat for this scene. It's... I just think it's, like, it's beautifully done, and it's, like, it looks amazing, and it's really, you know, it really, like, encompasses, like, the, the story, where she's, like, the light of the story, and he's, like, you know, the, the pure darkness that Loomis is talking about, and evil, and he just looks so ominous, and... I just, yeah, I love that scene. That's my favorite scene of the whole movie. As minute as that might seem to him killing people. And normally I'm the one that loves the scenes where someone's violently murdered. But that is, uh, I love that scene. Exilia. Okay, well, mine's not nearly as, like, profound as that. (laughs) (laughs) But my favorite scene is just a random one. Kind of like my favorite scene on Hocus Pocus when I was like, oh, I love when they said Hocus Pocus. And then that's where the title came from. It's basically when uh, Dr. Loomis and a police officer went into like the old house that yeah. Michael Myers grew up in. And there was a dead dog there. And, they, oh. and Dr. Loomis was like, he's been feeding. What? Does he not fucking eat food? Does he just eat dogs? Well, I think he just like killed the dog and then ate the meat i just i think it was was a weird statement that's your favorite scene (laughs) yes because i just thought it was such a weird statement (laughs) i told you it wasn't gonna be profound yeah but is it like you know i feel like they've kind of you know made it more of like a metaphorical like he's feeding on their souls like he feeds on people's like (laughs) fears whatever yeah (laughs) i don't know i just thought that was like random Everyone is entitled to their opinion. I will not I al- state if it's I good also or bad. Really, I mean, it's bad, but I'm also <laughs> like, when, um, when, um, is it, uh, who's the one? Okay, so it's Jamie Lee Curtis, like, Lori. It's Lori. And, um, what's the name of the girl? Annie. When they're driving the car and then they, like, pull up to where the dad was. Oh, was, and like, they're listening to Blue Oyster Cult. And yes, high, Don't yeah. Feel the Reaper. Yeah, and I'm just, I like how she's like, oh my god, put it out, my dad's there. And then they roll down the window. Okay, first of all... The, you can just see like, the puff of weed smoke <laughs> coming out the window. Like, And I love how they're like, oh, I hope he didn't smell it. Okay, in reality, he definitely would have smelled it. You were such Sorry, they were hotboxing a fucking car. <laughs> that thing would be like yeah. smoking down the fucking road. Like, exactly. I'm sorry. I don't know what 70s weed was like, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Exactly. It, cu- it couldn't have been that, like, discreet. No. It couldn't have. Also, the whole time I was trying to, like, really analyze what they were smoking. And I was like, I feel like it's weed, but it slightly looked like a cigarette. But Yeah, but it was probably, like, something that somebody at school sold. And it was probably just, like, a fucking bag of oregano or something. (laughs) Bag of oregano. So it actually Uh, probably smelled nice in the car. It probably smelled like, you know pasta or something yeah yeah really and he's like oh, italian food what, what have you girls been cooking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh there's gonna be spaghetti waiting for me when i get home <laughs> it's so hard with this movie because there's so there's like so much to talk about i figure like i also wanted to bring up like you know the, the iconicness of michael myers and you know this being the introduction like he's credited in this movie not as 
Michael Myers, but as the, the shape. shape. This, really? Yes, he, he's called the shape in this. Why? Because that's kind of what he was. Um, I had a good conversation when we were done watching this with Exilia, because, of course, Exilia got very angry at the end of the movie. Do you want to <sighs> discuss that? My pet peeve. My absolute pet fucking peeve is when they don't die. When they're supposed to be dead. <laughs> I literally will hate a movie just based on the fact that it has a person and they're supposed to be dead and they won't die. Just kill them already. Okay, but to be fair, this is like really, again, with a lot of things with this movie, this is like the OG version of that. Like this was really like the first time that a movie yeah, ever so really did that. I should so, really Okay, so you're really very angry at this because movie because this movie started, started that trend. Okay, fair enough. That's my, that's one of my biggest issues with horror or like in any movie. I just... Sometimes I think a story should just be like final. It should just be done. And you know what? I'm not going to disagree with you. Because the biggest thing about that is if they don't die and you know they can't die, then the rest of the movies that come out, whether it be two or eight movies, you know they're not going to fucking die. So it's just like I'm just like not interested. So I've only ever seen this Halloween movie and the Rob Zombie Halloween. I've never seen like Halloween H2O or like any of those movies because I just like can't get behind something that I know they're not going to die. H2O was so great. I remember Williams, Josh Hartnett, like what's not to love? (laughs) There's a little like it used to be a theater downtown in our town called Paramount Cinemas and like you could go there and like watch a matinee for a dollar and they'd have they'd only be playing two movies. I remember seeing like the poster for that outside there that's like a very like thing that stuck with me as a child for some reason despite not even seeing it but (laughs) yeah that's my biggest pet peeve because i just feel like it will continue on it's never ending and i was telling exilia that I feel like John Carpenter probably feels that way too because he, he never put it, yeah but when you look out the window he's he's gone. So I think it's interesting when you look into this because I thought it, I never knew but John Carpenter has talked about that originally when they made this story he wanted it to be a haunted house story and not a slasher film. But he said I do know he explained the ending that he wanted it to be like let the watcher's imagination run wild. Is he dead? Is he not dead? Is he real? Is he not real? As we saw, because he never really returned in a full directing mode. Like, he didn't want to continue this story. Yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, that could have just been, like, his way of doing an ambiguous ending without realizing that there were going to be, like, eight or nine more movies over the next 20 years. And that was probably the intention. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and that's what, like, they call him the shape, right? And it's, like, because he's this, like, void, this evil, right? And I feel like it was just, like, oh, evil never really dies, so, you know, you have to keep vigilant. But then it's, like, no, it just keeps coming back, and, like, you can't kill it. And And then Buster Rhymes stars in your movie, and... Oh, my God, that one was fucking awful. That is the that is the only oh movie God. that I've ever walked out of. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've only seen it once when it like first came out, and I don't and I don't remember. And, no, it. and it, let me say this: I love Busta Rhymes, <laughs> so it had nothing to do with it. Tyra's in it. Love Tyra. No, that I just couldn't. I could not. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm walking out of this. This is the second movie in my entire life I walked out of in theaters. I can't remember what the other one was. Some kids' movie when I was like 13 years old. But just no. Let's let's forget that it exists. Let's 
repress that, purge it from our memories. Sometimes repression is a good thing. And in this case, I think repressing the memory of that is uh, very, very super healthy. So I did, I did want to, uh, you know, link it to some Canadiana that Carpenter has kind of always said that he was influenced by Black Christmas for this film. That's kind of what he... I've never seen the original, but I would like to see it this Christmas. Oh, Black Christmas is literally one of the Christmas movies I watch every year. And you guys know me for most of my life. I've hated Christmas, but <clears throat> I will always watch, of course, Lampoon's Christmas, because how could you not? And Black Christmas and Mixed Nuts. They're like some of What's my Christmas mixed nuts. Oh, my God. It's this brilliant movie with like Steve Martin and Adam Sandler in it from like the 90s. And it's oh, about a like, oh, it's excellent. You'd love it. You should you should track it down. Everybody who's anybody in the 90s, late late 90s is in it in comedy. Interesting. I'll have to look. Juliette Lewis, Lover, Queen. I, I've never seen the original. It was filmed in Toronto. And I my intention was to like go see the where it was filmed before I left. <laughs> Didn't happen, obviously. I have seen the remake and I know people hate on it, but I liked it whatever <laughs> it was it was one of the probably three or four movies that i saw when i was a teenager that actually like made my skin crawl like yeah. texas chainsaw massacre and stuff like this goes right up there with i can't, it. I don't I can't know, remember it i don't know if it happens in the original but in the remake they like make cookies out of a girl's flesh no, with a cookie cutter. no 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 the original is very much like um you almost couldn't even call it a slasher movie um it's a real slow burn um it's all about like kind of mood and atmosphere and like setting up the characters and stuff but it is really fucking creepy. The acting in it is great. Andrea Martin, who was in SCTV, like, you know, we all know her as, like, a comedian. She's in yeah. it. There's some really beautiful shots in it, too, and there's a couple of really good kills. And ending of it, to me, is hands down probably one of the best slasher or horror movie endings of all time. Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to watch it because I really like the cookie cutter thing. But Well, there's no cookie cutters. It's, it's not very violent at all. Like, there's there's a couple of kills in it, yes, but it's all very, like, subtle and off screen. And again, this was, it was kind of like a pre-slasher. It was one of those movies that had tropes of slasher movies in it. But I think that came out in 74 yeah it was a couple of years before halloween like maybe two ish interesting but yeah, yeah definitely yeah. this christmas season i'll have to watch oh it's maybe one of those that maybe like, it'll yeah. be a, a christmas movie we'll have to pick for the season oh yeah great and i will say there is one thing in it because oh and speaking of the great cast margot kidder is in it um oh. like and it, you know this was like margot kidder like right at the beginning of her career so she was just like you know fucking tearing the roof off of it because margot kidder is insane like no that's considering everything that happened to her let me say no let me rewind on that <laughs> margot kidder is a powerhouse she is really good like she does not get enough credit for being like a really powerful actress and like really charismatic she's in this and she plays this alcoholic sorority girl and she has a wreath on the door of her bedroom that has like instead of like bulbs and stuff on it has little tiny mini alcohol bottles <laughs> i'm telling you for three solid years when i lived with my friend tina i would make a wreath every year and put little alcohol bottles on it <laughs> in honor of margot kiddo's character in black christmas nice <laughs> as we were talking about before with mike myers and i mean he's obviously become like this icon now like where is, is he in that like top three for you guys of like iconic horror because i mean i i feel like a lot of people would argue that he might you know he's number one on a lot of people's lists is like the most iconic you know boogeyman or or 
villain in horror. I mean, to me, I'd, I'd probably have him at number one. I think he was more impactful to me than Jason Voorhees or Freddy or... See, I... And I had this conversation briefly with Rowan. I'm not... I know you guys love slasher movies, but I'm not, like, a huge slasher person. But when I think of, like, iconic villains in in halloween even like i guess or (laughs) in halloween in horror (laughs) i guess too because i'm like on the outside looking in in the way that i'm not like a huge slasher person i always think of freddy jason voorhees and michael myers i think they're the three like those are the three the holy they're like yeah yeah, they're like the canon almost Mm -hmm. the father the son and the holy ghost but who was who (laughs) who in this equation i'm not sure well, I mean, it's so interesting because, of course, Jason doesn't talk either, but I feel like he became, um, like, that series obviously went down into, like, self-parody really quickly, whereas Halloween didn't, and Halloween always kept him kind of, like, in the background, which made him stay a bit creepier, and I feel like yeah. the fact that he didn't talk or anything and always kept his mask on was another big factor in it, but, again, I don't know why... Jason just seemed to go into self-parody, whereas Michael Myers, they always had a bit more of a story in the Halloween movies, and the characters were, even though there was some cannon fodder in there, it wasn't as bad. It wasn't just, like, a very obvious, like, Reaganite, like, killing people who are partying and having sex. Like, it was actually, there was a bit of more of meat on the skeleton, so that, to me, made him a bit more of, like... The boogeyman, you know, yeah, and I mean? I whereas say, Jason, Jason's like kind of a joke, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like I, I was going to say they as. did a really, they did a really good job at, of, like you said, like he's always been looked at as like serious when they do the yeah. films, and kept he's, him as he's this so mysterious, right? Figure, yeah. Growing up, because I like wasn't a huge slasher movie fan, I always got them mixed up. Like, their names and everything. I just, like, couldn't wrap my head around the fact that there were two people at the same time that had masks that didn't talk that killed people. (laughs) So we'll be putting a poll up for our viewers of, (laughs) do we just kick her off the podcast or do we actually murder her? (laughs) That's what I'm here for. I'm here for... I don't know. I don't know what I'm here for, but to be <laughs> fair, if she was murdered, she would also be off the podcast. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two birds, one stone. Just saying. <laughs> one thing I I think when I think about this movie that I think is amazing is that you know it really set the tone for slashers to come. You know, even in the present, and if you really look at this film. There is almost zero blood or violence showing on screen. There's one scene with major blood. Okay, blood, yeah, but violence, no. Yeah, but I would, I would imply, like, think about so when choking people isn't violent. Violent, apparently. But I'm saying, like, it's not over. It's not gore. It's not gore. I think is what he's saying. As someone who carries a knife around, he resorts to choking people pretty often. But that's, I was gonna say, that's the thing. Like the the iconic weapon of Michael Myers. Like you think about like Jason having like an axe or a machete, Freddy with his glove. And slicing people open. And you think of Michael Myers with his giant kitchen knife. But he only really uses it like once or twice. Yeah. You know? Like the rest of it is like, you know, choking people. Actually, he does choke a lot. It's like he some weird kind of um fetish. like fetish <laughs> erotic asphyxiation. <laughs> I guess what I was alluding to was, yeah, like it's not it's not really gory at all. Like it it it's not hard 
to censor this for television. No, it isn't. Which I, which I think was, you know, Carpenter was very smart with that. Where Carpenter, to me, showed you that you could make something suspenseful and not be, like, gory or, or anything But that's like the that. influence of Psycho. Like, we were talking earlier yeah. how he clearly admires Psycho. He took the star's daughter and one of the co-star's names into his movie. Like, that's what Psycho did. It, like, had several very violent moments, but it was cut and directed in a way that you don't actually see what's happening. Like, it's not actually gory, even though someone's, like, getting stabbed to death. I, I, actually, I did find I was, like, quite on edge. Okay, do you think reverse desensitization is a thing? Sensitization? Because when I was a teenager, I found nothing scary, nothing violent. I, not at all. As I get older, I'm, like, when I watch these movies, I'm, like, way more on edge than I ever was when I was growing up. Yes, but you, you have, like, you go through these years then when you know, like, you get exposed to, like, the actual real violence that that real people go through and That's i mean especially true. somebody who has a background in like sociology like yourself like you know when we're youngsters when we're 14 and 15 watching these movies we don't know the fuck anything about you know what's happening to people this is just like something that's happening on a tv screen whereas like and i i do think it's sort of a thing like it's i don't know yeah it is sort of sensitization in terms of like you're more aware of abuse and like mm-hmm. violence and mm-hmm you know, all that shit. And so it's like looking at it, you can, and, and I think also part of it is empathy. Like you put yourself yeah. in that position and you feel like, like I could be the subject of violence. Like there, yeah, what's, it's true. just, uh, it's just circumstances that's keeping me from not being the person that, you know, gets stabbed out on the street or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. true. So I feel, I like, saying, I feel like that is a very good point. Like you do, yeah, you well, do and get I was... sensitized as you get older because I guess just you're more empathetic and aware of the world. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, I've kind of thought about that as time goes on because as someone that like loves watching shock horror and anything to push my limits, like even though I still watch it, I, my limits are far, I react differently than I would have in my teens or, and I think also like, you know, let's use Halloween as an example. When I'm a kid, I don't think I identify with the scariness that maybe I think of when I'm an adult where I'm like, oh, I'm in my own apartment. Someone could come into my apartment and I don't know. I could wake up. And there could be someone standing, that, sitting right there. That's literally my biggest fear about owning a home. I don't own a home yet, but that and when I do, that's actually my biggest fear is like a fucking like home invasion. Oh, listen, walk it into the bathroom and turn on the light and there's someone standing behind you in the mirror. Yeah. Like it's just but <laughs> yeah. you take these like slasher tropes. And that's the thing. That's why I think you never lose your love of horror, because um, when you're in, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, my God, like this is so shocking and novel mm-hmm. but when you're an adult you still appreciate it even more because it could you've happen. you've been in that position and you're like you get home and or you hear a noise in the night or something mm. and you're out like and you turn on the light and you're like is there going to be somebody standing behind me is somebody going to like strangle me right like it's yeah it's actual like like worldly terror yeah well and like i was like I found my anxiety. I was on edge the whole time. My anxiety, my heart was like elevated. And like when I was growing up, I would never get startled or jump or anything at movies. I was just like not what happened to me. And I jumped like several times. And I found as as we've been doing this podcast, like I jump fairly 
often. And even, okay, there's this one scene where Dr. Loomis and the, it was when him and the cop were in the house, yeah? Yeah. And, like, this thing comes down and, like, hits the window. Me and Juicy was sitting on top of me. We both jumped. (laughs) Jumped. (laughs) And Carpenter does, like, a great job. You know, I usually bring up, whenever we talk about the movies, like, the pacing of the movie. And, like... I think this is so well paced. He he does a great job setting the characters and the mood, not just of the film, but like the mood of the the town and yeah. the subdivisions and like the feel so that I feel like he gets you in this comfortable spot where you're like, oh, this is, you know, the picture perfect American suburb and, you know, there there's kids trick-or-treating and there's laughter and there's teenagers and you know even though as a watcher we know that it's michael that breaks into the tool store and steals the the mask which if you didn't know uh they used a mask of william shatner for the movie that's random why would they be having that mask at the tool store i'm not a hundred percent sure maybe it's like when you go into value village and there's halloween things maybe they were just stocking halloween stuff because that's like their bread and butter that time of year (laughs) because maybe in the fall people aren't doing home renovations because it's about to be winter i'm just saying like if we're a general store yes exactly but i was gonna say like you know even though we know it's that it's him that's done it, you know, they automatically are like, oh, it's just the teenagers around here because they have nothing better to do and they're just getting into, you know, causing some ruckus. And he does such a good job of, like, comforting you with this feeling, but then you're always reminded we get hit with that music and we get hit with the, with, you know, the little glimpses of Michael just, like, being a voyeur of this town just in the background and it's just he does such a good job at like making sure you're not too settled into the movie knowing that something's going to happen well that's why those like first person point of view shots are so great because it takes you out of just watching like the girls and stuff and then it's like all of a sudden you are also the outsider and you're looking from that perspective and it's it's very jarring and that jump back and forth like and i mean he doesn't do it very often too which is it kind of keeps its power right like it's yeah it's just every now and then you get that moment where you're like ripped out of it and you're like fuck he is an actual person i am literally looking through his eyes right now although then sometimes they have that um moment where you don't actually know if it's from his perspective but it gives you that shaky first person anyway. So it keeps you on your toes. And like you said, it keeps you unsettled and on edge. It's like, is this him? Or is this just like a red herring camera angle? But there are moments when you absolutely know, like, this is his perspective. It's this outsider force, you know, kind of invading the town. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. And um, and I was going to say, too, like, this is probably a good transition in as we talk about the feelings and how Carpenter's making you feel in the music, the soundtrack, Halloween. Like, this is probably, like, the, I would say, the most iconic horror soundtrack of all time still. I mean, this theme song, this theme song's even included. I've seen this theme song and heard it on, like, $5 bargain store Halloween CDs for, like, kids. Like, yeah. And Rowan had brought up while well, we were watching it, and I had thought about it earlier in the movie. I hate to always come back to It Follows, but 
you can totally tell now we when we did the it falls episode we talked about how the characters were like based off of like the names were based off of halloween mm-hmm. the music i think the music for it falls was like definitely influenced by the music for halloween oh yeah it's very much a like kind of indie diy um aesthetic yeah, because obviously John Carpenter did do the music, so and and same with the surroundings and like the set and the homes because we watched like ten minutes or five minutes of this like documentary, mini documentary or whatever, and they were saying I think it was filmed in California. Yeah, but it was like meant to look like the Midwest, yes, like the home, yeah, the homes and everything, Illinois, yeah. And when we went to the sub or like the suburbs of Detroit and went to the subdivision that this house from it follows was filmed at like that was the vibe of that subdivision as well like the one that it follows us from so i think there's definitely influence on that movie for sure from Halloween. cinematic parallels for sure to me if you're any horror movie that's doing like sort of that synth soundtrack like you're more than likely they're inspired by some sort of john carpenter music Mm -hmm. well i mean several of his soundtracks like you know this one uh Assault on Precinct 13 was also and Assault on Precinct 13 was even more synth based, which was really cool. And, you know, uh, Escape from New York, like those are like the holy trinity of and the thing even. I mean, those are like you see their footprints kind of all over a lot of the ripoff movies or not ripoff. Sorry, that's that sounds <laughs> judgy, but you know what I mean? Like a lot of the kind of um, inspired by family of movies, but then at this like in the contemporary era but also now in terms of like referencing vintage stuff, like you see their fingerprints all over Mm -hmm. Um, because again, it was very DIY. It's not like, you know, he paid this like insane rock band to come in and do a score. Like it's, yeah, it's very much like something he did himself. So it's, it's, it's doable. It's recreatable that whole vibe. Yeah. Which is what's so interesting because it's so spare, right? It's like something you can do in your downtime, like while you're editing or whatever. Yeah, no, I, the soundtrack's amazing. Now, you know, I'm going to be sacrilegious and say, I do prefer Halloween 2's theme song over this one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now I'm the Exilia. I'm the one people will riot over. Girl. <laughs> uh, I just, I like it. Yeah, I don't know why, but the second one, I like so much more. Do we want to get into, uh, is it scary? Sure. Are we ready to get into that? We're ready. We're born ready. All right. Uh, let's start with Exilia. Uh, like I was saying, the whole movie pretty much, um, I like, I could feel my heart rate increased. I was a little, I was on edge. So I would say, yeah, it, yeah. It could be scary. You yeah. think? There you go. I'm surprised. Usually, Exilia is not a it's scary person. No, oh, she's that's not, not a believer. Yeah, but I thought it. I thought it definitely had the potential to be scary. And people know it's going down when you hear that cream soda pouring into that <laughs> yeah. glass. Yeah. Like I said, one glass, and I'm telling you, I'm telling the listeners right now that cream soda is brown because she sure did not oh put hardly any mix in Also, it. at the beginning of the podcast, That's not um, true. I could see on Skype their full cream soda bottle, and it is now empty. 
<laughs> in the background. I'm sorry. I'm not trying These to call you lies. out. I'm not These trying to lies. call you out. She's, she hasn't even. She's, she's, she's currently given, hiding the she bottles. She hasn't even given me a second glass. <laughs> she's you hiding the bottles. She's putting yeah, the bottles yeah, behind the plant. I was like, put it behind the plant. She's like Nancy's alcoholic mother, just like going into the pantry and hiding her empty bottles behind a stack of towels. I said that today. I said you look like Nightmare on Elm Street because. You have it like hidden with the plans. She's she's passed out on the couch, going locked, locked, locked. <laughs> it's because I have a mushroom holder that I put it in. Mm, sure. <laughs> you just you make me sound. I'm a very professional person. <laughs> we just have to. We so have Mike, to troll you. We have to give you shit. That's right. <laughs> so Mike. Do you think it's scary? Um, I think it's scary, yes, but more so than scary, I think, and again, we've mentioned this several times, because of, well, I mean, he's obviously, like, an insane talent, especially at this point in his career. This was, like, kind of his early energetic, like, peak, but um, I feel like because of the Hitchcock influence, it was a masterclass intention. So, like, it has its scare moments, but more than anything, the whole movie is an exercise intention, and I think that is yeah, almost yeah. better than being scary because the whole movie, like X said, you know, you're on edge, right? And it's and, yeah. and you know the those shots, you know, with the darkness, and you know he's going to come up behind her, but like just the way he frames everything, everything about it is just um, it's very tense, and I think it's it's brilliant, and you could teach it in film school. Yeah, no, and I was trying to think how I was going to say I found it scary, and you hit the nail on the head is that Carpenter does an amazing job making the entire movie tenseful, tenseful, <laughs> making it tense, tense, and then giving you those little scares that give you that jump, and, and you know, when you're watching it with friends or by yourself, that, you know, make the horror movie just like, oh yeah, everyone loves the jump scares, but it creates that tension throughout it. I, I really, really think he does an awesome job to... It still holds up today. I think it, it is a uh, a scary, tenseful film. Tenseful. Tenseful. I keep saying tenseful. I love so, that you're making up words. Yeah, so obviously uh, I must also be drinking as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Do we agree we can get into rating it? Absolutely. Okay, so uh, we will get into rating it, but first we're going to quickly talk about Spotify. So yeah, we just wanted to let you guys uh, know about Spotify, our It Slays podcast horrific playlist that we have up there, because it is the Halloween season. In fact, you're listening to this episode on Halloween, so you might uh, need some music for Halloween night. Hopefully you only want 10 songs. <laughs> we gotta put more up, and we want people to suggest make some them. Yeah, make some recommendations. What what should be on our uh, horrific playlist? It will but be a to... living playlist. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So uh, go to Spotify and uh, follow it, check it out, and uh, do it up, fella. All right, so let's get into rating this. Mike, we'll start with you. Oh, slay, capital S, capital L, capital A, capital Y, exclamation point. No, yes, no, please. no explanation necessary. I'm sorry. Clearly, this is the daddy of them all and the mommy. And it's it's everything. It's it's it, it, it impregnated itself and then gave birth to itself. 
It's That's very, how good it is, yeah. It's very incestuous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go next, because Exilia always complains that I go last every time. Has anybody ever heard me complain? Never. never you've never complained. <laughs> As we all look away while we say that. <laughs> Slay, capital letters, plus it's Halloween. I love this movie. To me, this is like an everything I chat on with Hocus Pocus... And I was like, the nostalgia isn't for me, and, you know, this is just for kids, blah, blah, blah. To me, this is a movie for the whole family. Like, this is an awesome horror movie to, like, introduce your kids in, because it's scary, but it's not overly gory. And, like Mike said, there's no words needed. It's Halloween, it's Michael Myers. Like it. Like it or die. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Over to you, X. <laughs> um, in terms of cultural significance, I say, um, sorry, a sleigh. Okay, cricket. <laughs> in terms of my personal preference, I'll say a yay plus. I definitely have a greater appreciation for it than I did when I saw it when you showed it to me when we were like 15 or 16. As I've said before in the episode, I'm not really a big slasher person. It's just not my cup of tea most of the time. So, yeah, I think it's great. I think in terms of cultural significance, I think it's fantastic. Um, But, yeah, I mean, as someone who doesn't really like slashers, I would put this amongst the top. All right. I I, I like that. Okay, Rowan was literally looking at me like we're getting a divorce I'm like, don't fuck this up. (laughs) Now, I want to add an extra question in here. As we have all seen at least more than one Halloween movie, is this your favorite Halloween movie? Absolutely. In terms of the series. I mean, I've only ever seen this one and the Rob Zombie Halloween. So as someone that has seen the Rob Zombie, do you prefer... There's people that prefer the Rob Zombie one. Yeah, people have lots of opinions about this. Including you, because you have lots of opinions. (laughs) As we all do. I'm, that's I'm not, that's not, not a an imper- in, uh, opinionated person. Um, I've only ever seen the Rob Zombie one one time in the theater. I remember it being a lot more violent, for oh, sure. Oh, was horrifically violent. I feel yeah. like that's an understatement. <laughs> um, I mean, I like them both. Okay. Exilia's playing it neutral. She doesn't want to get yelled at anymore. Because I, I would have to see the other Halloween okay. again to really think about it. Maybe I would show my kids this one before the Rob Zombie one. <laughs> what kind of parent are you? The other day, or yesterday, we went to see Joker, and these two little, like, six-year-olds just, like, walk in the theater and sit down in front of us with no parent, and I'm just like, what the fuck? And then the eventually the dad came. He was, like, buying popcorn, and Rowan's, like, parent goals. I was very happy. Also, side note for our listeners, if you haven't seen Joker yet, please go see it because it is amazing. It's brilliant and also heartbreaking. That is all I will say about that. Mike, is it your favorite Halloween? Um, I will have to say yes because it has all the elements that I love, um, especially the cast. I love Jamie Lee. I love um, Nancy Loomis. I love everybody in it. Um, even though there are elements, even though I had an issue with the Rob Zombie one the first time I Wait, saw it. Wait, who's Nancy Loomis? She's the actress who plays Annie. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but then Dr. Loomis is a person too? Yes. What? We, That's so confusing. Is, we, we, at the beginning of the episode, Exilia, before your like, <laughs> third or fourth drink... 
we discussed that Loomis is not Nancy's actual real name. Yeah, and there's all these references. He's full of references, okay? Okay. That's, so, okay. anyway, uh, like, overall, it would definitely qualify as my favorite, and it's 100% the one that I've watched the most because I've seen it many, 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 many times. Um, there are a lot of elements of the Rob Zombie 1 and 2 that I really enjoy, and some parts of it that I even like more than some parts in the original. But overall, the original I find is more enjoyable, whether that be because I saw it first and 8 million times. I don't know. I like number two. I really love number four. I think it's an underrated um, entry in the series. And H2O also has like a lot of really cool elements. But as much as I love all them, they just the one I revisit the most and that I will say show other people and say, come over, let's watch a movie is always Halloween. Yeah, I, I was going to say like Mike. This is the one I've seen by far the most. I see this probably once a year at least. But I will say, uh, you know, Exilia won't be the only one that's going to take heat on the podcast. Is Join the club. This is not my favorite Halloween. I am in the camp, uh, even though we're very small, that I do really, really love the second one. I knew lot. you were going to say number two. I, I know. I And I know there's a lot of, you know. I get it, though. I understand it. I understand it. I, but as someone that likes their movies a little more bloodier, a little yeah. more schlocky, a little more a little, With some, some more tits in it and shit. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I like the cheesiness. I like I like but that's all part of I like, it. I like cheesy movies. Too. I like how it's a little more grindhouse than this. It's not as refined. I also like Well no, because John Carpenter better. didn't direct it. Yeah. But exactly. but that's the thing. It's it's you there's not as much like artifice and technical pizzazz to distract you from the just schlocky plot. So I understand. I totally get it. Exactly. And also exactly. we do we do love a sequel that picks up right as soon as the other one left off. Yeah. yeah. You have to appreciate mm-hmm. that. I do. I've always loved that about number two. I do. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely love it, but you know. Everyone everyone appreciates Mike. And uh, not us probably. So let's get into the budget game. Great. It is that time. I thought Mike was for sure going to lose because as we were watching the special features, they specifically said what it costed and what it made. And I said, I hope you weren't listening, Exilia. And she looked at me and said, what? And then I said, perfect. Absolutely perfect. So it is that time. We're going to start with what it costs. This came out in the 70s, right? Yeah. 78. How much do you think it costs to make? Two million bucks. Knows. Two mil. I will say 3.8. 3.8. That's really specific. 3.82 million dollars. Well, Exilia, I got exciting news for you. What? You're not correct. Mike <laughs> is the closest. Oh, boom. Price is right wins again. See, this is... So, this, is this what cost... Three hundred and twenty-five thousand. Wow. Oh wow! Even but even oh, I was way off. Yeah. Oh, you were. So assault on precinct thirteen actually cost him three hundred thousand. So he got a twenty-five thousand dollar increase. The producer picked John Carpenter specifically for how well that movie did on that budget and how good he was. Yeah. So he knew it was going to be smaller budget. 
and then said, this is the director I want because he can work with a small budget. Some fun little facts we didn't talk about in uh, the other portion. The original script, what it wasn't called Halloween. It was called The Babysitter, Babysitter Murders. Murders. And Murders or movie? Murders. Oh, okay. Because you were saying, starting to say movie and he uh, was saying murders. Well, we, I meant for us both to say murders at the exact same time. <laughs> we sort of did. We sort of did. But a fun fact with that budget. So Carpenter actually only took $10,000 for himself. That's how much he charged to write, direct, produce... Do the score, record the score. Jeez, Buddy was making less than minimum wage. But he did that because he had such faith in his skills. He said, I want 10% of the profits that Halloween made. Nice. So I am sure Good that him. was. Get that coin, bitch. <laughs> that's right. I am, And I'm sure they went back to the table after the release and he was like, I'm sure his lawyers worked something out for a piece of every bit of Halloween oh, action. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what it made. Mike, what do you think it made? Uh, theatrically at yes. the time, contemporary, uh, 10 million bucks. Exilia. My guess is fairly close and I was going to say 11.2 million dollars. Jeez, she's going for the specific She's numbers. very, very much like, she's like magic eight-balling these numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Should I say 11.3? <laughs> so, Exilia will be the closest. Nice. So, this made 47 million dollars. Oh, okay, good Whoa. Good for you, John Carpenter. You get that fucking coin. <laughs> so, that is why, I didn't look it up. I should have looked it up, but I, this has got to be in like the top five most sequels for a horror franchise by now like movies in it i would think especially with the other one about to come out next year but and then another one after this exactly yeah. it made a ton of money it spawned many sequels many imitators <laughs> many imitators and i mean they've all been they're kind of have all been successful if not theatrically they've all been really successful in the home video market so yeah, that uh, that is the budget game. Thanks for playing, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Uh, so I did want to give some Patreon shoutouts. Woo! Yes. But before we get into the Patreon shoutouts, let's just talk about our Patreon for a second. Let's. So we just want to let you guys know that you can become a whorehound with all the other great Patreons. Like Ashton, Cecily, Jen, CJ, Colton. I would say CJ because all the social media is CJ. But you could join them in being a whorehound on the It Slays podcast Patreon at patreon.com slash It Slays podcast. You can give anywhere from a dollar to I think $30 is the highest. There's cool stuff such as t-shirts, cards, thank you cards. Exilia's still working on one. I'm still working on it. And a bunch of cool stuff, shoutouts, like we just did. But we also want to let you know that we're adding something new for our Patreons. And that is, we're going to be giving our Patreons access to exclusive episodes every month. You will get an episode. Mini episodes. Mini episodes. Who knows, though? We get enough moonshine and exilia, they might be four <laughs> hours long. But yes, it could be you'll any- get the full uncut glory. <laughs> That's right. And it could yeah. be anywhere from top five lists to comparisons 
to Mike and Exilia talking about architecture. I was going to say, it could be an audio essay about architecture or sociological implications. Exactly. So if you join the Patreon, you will get exclusive access to those episodes. Those episodes will not be released publicly. Those only are for our Patreons to show our thank you for financially supporting us. Yes, thank you. And uh, allowing us to keep on keeping on. (laughs) So we did want to announce our next review. And since things got jumbled up uh, with, you know, pet crisis and Rowan's procrastination. It's so serious. I'm talking in the third person now. He's trying to distance distance himself. That's right. From his own behavior. We are going to do one of Mike's favorites, and that is Carrie. We are going to do it for you guys. So my pick is Carrie. That will come out. That's a that's a, a pick from all of us. A, a pick it from is. All it's of us. a pick from all of us. Yeah. It was my original. A salute to all of us. <laughs> and I think that's everything. Now, before we wrap it up, I do want to remind everyone to follow us on our social media. So Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, It Slays Podcast. All you have to do is look that up. We're active on all of it. Send us a message. I love to hear, like, movies you want us to pick or review. We can't guarantee you we're going to pick them unless you are a Patreon and you get to pick a movie. But uh, we do love the suggestions because sometimes your uh, your guys' brains are working on our level and that's exactly what we want to review. So just make sure to follow us on all the social media and say hello and we'll say hello back. Is there anything else you guys would like to talk about? I don't think so. I just want to throw out that because it's Halloween, um, last night I used a Pennywise the Clown bath bomb in my oh. bath, and it looked like somebody was trying to melt down a dead body in acid in my bathtub, <laughs> and it was lovely, and it smelled like fruit. So Was you. it from Lush or something? No, it was not from no. Lush. It was a local person. Um, it was a gift from a friend of mine, and somebody locally made it, and it was really nice and um, very kind of creepy. <laughs> and thank That's you. Awesome. Halloween. <laughs> this is this is the stuff we do this time of year. Happy Halloween. Yes. Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween is how we should really end. Yep. Thank you. This is like our, this is like our New Year's without it being New Year's. This is our Christmas without it being Christmas. Thank you for all the support and the love. Thank you all the people. We should say, because we haven't said it yet, that the uh, our mini episode on I guess it wasn't so mini. It was pretty long. On It Chapter 2 on YouTube surpassed 100 views the other the other day, which is our highest listened YouTube one. We don't get a lot of traffic on YouTube yet. So it's just random. It's just random. So hopefully some of you are joining us from YouTube. Hello. And hopefully you're here to stay. So I think that's everything as Don't always. Don't you mean here to slay? Oh. How dare you? How dare you?